0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that answers the age-old question, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me, don't you? Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit, here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast, and I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you again for another hour of fun-filled pipe stuff. Well, maybe not so much fun-filled, we'll find out. Um, In Pipe Parts, I'm going to do a review, a tale of two blends, and you'll have to hang out for that. My guest tonight is uh, pipe maker and uh, aeronautics engineer Adam Bybee. I know those two just seem to go right together, don't they? And then we'll have uh, music from a past guest, mailbag, and a rave. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And I am happy to report that uh, daughter is doing uh, doing good in Korea. We uh, chat with her daily and... Uh, you know, again, it's just amazing to think that, you know, FaceTime and uh, Facebook Messenger and all that stuff, and we have all these uh, free ways to uh, communicate back and forth, and it's uh, it's really cool. Um, and, I, and so far, she has not had a chance to make it to a tobacco shop yet, so <laughs> we'll find out. Um, anyway, I don't know if there's, uh, I, there's a little bit of a pipe-smoking culture in, in Seoul, but not much. I um, hope everybody had a uh, had a, a good first part of uh, mem- well, I guess Memorial Day weekend, first part of the summer. And as we kick off the summer, like I usually do, I opened up my first tin of uh, McCraney's Red Ribbon for the summer. This one is from the uh, prime 2008 crop, canned in 2012. And I'm enjoying it for breakfast and yeah, that'll, uh, that'll be my breakfast bowl until, uh, <laughs> well, <clears throat> with that pipe in particular, I get, uh, I get a lot of bowls out of it because it's like a group two, group three. And again, it's like 35 minutes in the morning with my first cup of coffee. Wondering if any of you have any other, uh, have you developed any summertime traditions or does your uh, tobacco taste change because of the weather? Let me know. All right. And it's uh, enough rambling for now. Let's get the show going. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go.
1: There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
0: And we are back, and as I mentioned, a tale of two tobaccos. So this goes back a while ago. Uh, I got a request for Bayou Morning, uh, Bayou Morning Flake, and Bayou Morning from Cornell and Deal. So these are uh, two tobaccos reported to be identical. And just come in different forms. Now, let me back up and tell you uh, the description on tobaccoreviews.com of Bayou Morning is this Virginia blend is composed of red and bright Virginias and 25% Louisiana Perique Bayou Morning is a, per- is a Perique lovers delight in an all day smoke and then the description of bayou morning flake is a virginia perique lovers delight the folks at cnd start out with old belt red virginias add 25 percent preak and press the whole thing before slicing it into bayou morning flake now those are the descriptions on uh, on tobacco and those are exactly what are on the back of the can uh, the only thing that, w- that you'll notice the difference of is red and bright Virginias in the Bayou Morning and Old Belt Red Virginias in the Bayou Morning Flake. Uh, so that's the only difference of the tobaccos. Now, when I opened the cans earlier or later last week, these were both dated from 2018, uh, from August in particular. And I noticed that both of them felt like the lids were expanding or pushing up. So something was cooking inside of them. And of course, as as it is with all Cornell and Deal tobaccos, these are two-ounce cans and not 50 grams. So there's uh, almost a quarter of an ounce more tobacco in it than what others would provide you. Um, Upon the smell of it, I can smell uh, the... Uh, the flake seems to be a little bit deeper toned where the Bayou morning seems to be a little bit uh, a little bit sharper. just, yeah again, maybe a little bit more of that uh, those bright Virginias coming through., uh, the flakes are pressed and cut and they're nicely put in the tin, but again, they're not those perfect European flakes that we see from uh, from McBaron or Orlick. Uh, they are easy to rub out. I found the moisture content of the tobaccos to be just about perfect right out of the can, and it could be that this time of the year, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit more, a little bit more moisture helps a little bit. But again, I just found them to be perfect right out of the can. Um, in smoking them, again, I found that the flake has. A little bit more of a uh, of of a deeper tone and a little bit less of the uh, less of those high notes or less of that sharpness that the Bayou Morning rubbed out has now I'm pretty sure that with these that the Bayou Morning regular was never pressed into a cake I'm pretty sure it's just a blend that was put together and that sharpness is probably because uh, is probably due to first of all the bright virginias but again the pressing that goes on in bayou morning flake takes a little bit of the sharpness out Um, i found the flakes to be easy to rub out but not uh, not you know they didn't just break apart perfectly uh, I found them to have nice long tobaccos inside the flakes once you did rub them out, which uh, to me was kind of impressive. Because usually if you're doing a flake, you can put some shorter stuff in there. But in this case, they didn't. Uh, Parique Lover's Dream. Yeah, yeah. You know, I love Parique, I love me some Parique. So uh, did I get that Perique knotty punch in the bottom of my stomach that I sometimes like? not really. And it could be that, you know, the 10, 12, the 10 months that these have been sitting around or, uh, well, I guess nine months now that these have been sitting around, maybe that perikiness is uh, bought, you know, has burned off of it, or maybe they're doing something to age it a little bit, but I didn't get a big nicotine rush. I didn't get that naughtiness in my stomach that I usually like. Um, the real question is, would I smoke them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so those that those that have been to the pipe club that I sometimes attend uh, here in Charlotte will know that if I don't like a blend, it ends up on the table. These will end up staying with me. I'll bring them a share, but uh, they'll they'll be they'll be coming home with me. Uh, a couple of reviews on TobaccoReviews.com that caught my attention. On uh, Bayou Morning, the rubbed out version, uh, William H. Hardy writes, I love this stuff, a vapor with a serious attitude. This stuff is not for the uninitiated. Red Virginias, Black Virginias, and a healthy dose of Perique. Bayou Morning has flavor that you will taste for half an hour after you smoke it. Now, for certain, this is one of the smoothest and possibly one of the creamiest pipe tobaccos out there. It burns well, has loads of flavor, and has a wonderful mouthfeel. I almost feel like I can chew it sometimes, crazy as it sounds. If you're looking for refinement, this ain't it. However, if you like parique and you're going to have to like this, and are fans of vapors, this is the old crotchety granddaddy of them all. Um, He rated it as medium to strong and medium to full and the room note was strong and the rating was four stars. Um, I probably should have had my wife come into the room while I was smoking it and see what she thought Uh, because I didn't think it was all that strong and periky punchy. Um, And then on the Bayou Morning Flake, uh, Pipestud writes, uh, produced a uh, a fine combination here with a twist to the original. This one is a true vapor blend that carries some strength and peppery semi-sweet taste sensations as the smoke progresses. Not a great deal of flavor variation, but this combination works well, and I imagine those who enjoy vapor blends with some backbone will enjoy this one. And the flake form burns much more slowly and a little cooler than the original. Both are good blends. Um, I didn't find much of a variation in, uh, in the burn rate. But anyway, if you like Virginia Periques, if you like Virginias, you're looking for something that I think I'm I know for a fact it'll age well. Um, you know, again, uh, this is these two are perfectly good options for you. And uh, I'm sure they will you know, two years of age on them and they'll just be wonderful. Anyway, that's the tale of two tobaccos, Bayou Morning, and then it's uh, Sister Bayou Morning Flake. And in just a moment,
1: Adam Bybee. <laughs> this is internet radio have a look in your tobacco cellar what do you see think of what you smoke what you age what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more that's your taste and whether you know it or not you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke but the funny thing about taste it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes in faithful service of the hobby.
0: We are back on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show, and joining us from—I uh, guess we'll have to find out what part of the mitten you're in. The—the the Great Mitten of Michigan is uh, one of them. Uh, one of them, young guys and uh, young guy pipe smoker, pipe maker, Adam Bybee. Welcome to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show.
2: Uh, thank you, Brian. It's really an honor to be on here. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so I I saw your pipes quickly in Chicago. I saw some pictures of them and I said, "You know what? All right, let's get to know the guy." So, uh where where did you grow up?
2: Uh so I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan area, sort sort of over uh the west side of the state.
0: So on the on the mitten, that would be over to the left-hand side. Uh, and and that's part of the uh uh, I guess there's kind of like a there's there's like a, a cadre of young pipe smokers in that whole area
2: uh, yeah that's what uh, that's what I'm told that's what I found out um, you know I didn't uh, didn't certainly plan it that way but yeah kind of uh, uh, fell into the little community there which was which was great
0: <laughs> so what were you uh, what were you doing when you first started smoking a pipe
2: well yeah um, during the college time frame, I, I first started by uh, smoking a cigar. I think um, just kind of on a whim, one day after like a long week or, of exams or something like that, I kind of thought like, well, what's what's the most stereotypical way that you could celebrate something? So I, uh, I went down to the uh, local liquor store. I think I, I picked up a bottle of scotch and uh, the closest cigar I could find to me, uh, which was, I don't even know what it was. It was something in a wrapper. Um, <laughs> And uh spent the afternoon uh on the deck of my uh my little apartment um in college just uh having some whiskey and smoking a cigar. Uh, it was actually freezing cold outside, so I didn't stay out for too long, but um but yeah, I guess it, it was a positive enough experience despite all that that I uh uh learned that I actually enjoyed good quality tobacco and, and uh kinda went on from there.
0: So what were all right, What were you doing in college? What was your major? And uh, besides drinking scotch, <laughs>
2: um, so I went to uh, the University of Michigan uh, in, in Ann Arbor, um, and uh, I was uh, an aerospace engineering major there, uh, and then stayed and, and continued on to get a, a master's in uh, propulsion engineering.
0: Oh, sh- all right. I just—I'll just excuse myself right now when I just start saying stupid stuff around all the smart people.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> um, were you at the uh, University of Michigan when Appalachian State, my son's alma mater, went up there and spanked you guys on opening day in football? Yes. Huh, yes. Okay. <laughs> well,
2: I was—I was there during that time. Yeah, that was uh, kind of hilarious, actually, in hindsight.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and part of the reason why every time I go to the Columbus Pipe Show, I wear one of my Appalachian State shirts because those Ohio State people love that. But um, <laughs> anyway, all right. So, a master's degree in like something scientific and smart. Uh, what did you end up going on and doing with that?
2: Uh, so I work for a company now. Well, I uh, after college started working for a company that produces uh, jet engines. So doing a uh, Analysis and design work for uh, Jet Engines is, uh, yeah, that's what I was doing. Um, Still work for that company now, uh, but actually about a year and a half or two years ago, um, I moved out to uh, Utah um, to work for the same company now, but doing more manufacturing-related stuff. So um, we're actually uh, out in Utah right now.
0: Wow, so <laughs> that had to be all right i I know uh, I know central and Northern Michigan is all green trees forest and not real hilly, but now you're out in Utah where <laughs> boy, that's that's some scenery change,
2: oh yeah, it's still you know I still kind of pinch myself driving to work every morning or whatever you um turn a corner and see the mountains, like, looming over top of you, and it's just something, you know. I don't know if people who are from here kind of get used to that feeling. I'm sure they do. But, yeah, for for me being a child of, like, the uh, the flat forest, it's, it's different. Um It's cool, though. I, I really like it.
0: Yeah, well, growing up on the West Coast, I thought nothing of looking out and seeing seven, eight thousand foot mountains, you know, just sitting there and all winter long they were snow capped and that was the way it was. And, you know, now, no, not so much. Um, But so are you like designing jet engines for the uh, for the really fast cars on the Bonneville salt flats?
2: (laughs) Um, Actually, I'm not sure who uh, who designs those exactly, but no. The, uh, the company I work for typically makes uh, smaller jet engines like for business jets and some uh, government projects and drones and things like that so
0: super secret things that you can't talk about because if you did they they'd kill me
2: um, well I mean uh, if, if I was I couldn't tell you right so
0: yeah there you go okay good answer good answer all right so, <laughs> so when did you uh, when did you first pick up a pipe and and what'd you think of it
2: Uh, so I guess I, have been smoking cigars for a little while, um, and kind of started getting into them and understanding them, buying nicer ones. Um, but i have never really, uh, smoked cigarettes or anything like that in my life. So, um, I'm a bit of a nicotine lightweight and still am to this day. So, um, a cigar for me would be a commitment. Like if I, if I pick a nice cigar to light up and smoke, like that's, that's my whole evening. So. Yeah, I started uh, looking at pipes because um, they sounded interesting as well and they're, they're kind of the high-quality tobacco thing. Um, and then I learned that, uh, hey, you know, you can relight a pipe as often as you want. You can set it down and pick it back up later. Uh, there's a massive, uh, massively greater amount of variety of, of tobacco that you can get for them. Um, it just seemed like a handier tool. I, I know um, some people that cigars you know the benefit of cigars compared to pipes is that they're simple and and easy to use you just you light them up and you go um and that's true but the pipe is just a lot more uh versatile it's a more versatile tool i think and uh it's it just uh was more convenient for me at the time and then you know once you get started uh in that you uh you kind of fall in love with with the community and with the pipes themselves and uh things kind of just go from there so uh I think the uh, the first pipe that I purchased was a little sampler pack that they were selling. Um, I think at pipesandcigars.com that came with uh, a bunch of stuff that you could pick to try, and uh, the cheapest little basket pipe that they could send you. So I think the uh, the first uh, the first pipe tobacco I tried was a, a bit of Elizabethan mixture, uh bento's Elizabethan, uh, packed that up into a pipe and smoked it over an afternoon and. Yeah, I
0: enjoyed it and went on from there. Do you, so. Let me ask you with, with your with your degrees in engineering. Do you think it kind of made you enjoy the fact that you could, you know, kind of alter the airflow of the of the bowl of tobacco, change the packing of it, change the pacing of it, and kind of, I, I guess when you when you think of it, you're you know, when you're designing jet engines for airplanes, you're dealing with airflow through it at different, at different speeds. And, uh, the same thing with a pipe. So do you, do you, think that kind of appealed to you? Yeah, I think it
2: did. Um, I definitely thought a lot about it. And so the, the physics of pipes and pipe smoking is something that fascinates me. And, um, And, yeah, there's a lot of the same things going on. You've got air coming in one end. You've got combustion happening. You've got it leaving the other end and and, uh, a lot of other effects going on in between. Um, And, you know, obviously a pipe is infinitely simpler than a jet engine is, but uh, (laughs) it's actually a pretty pretty, uh, interesting and complicated physics problem. You've got airflow going through a porous medium of tobacco in the bowl. Plus, there's uh, chemical changes and combustion occurring. Uh, there's heat transfer going on, both to the briar and from the tobacco. It's there's there's a lot going on, actually.
0: So that would make yeah, it would make perfect sense why you why you kind of like it, and then at the same time, it's very archaic in comparison to. Uh, Jet engine air travel, so it's a, it's almost the polar opposite of what you're doing for work.
2: Yeah, and that's very true. I, I think that's part of uh, one of the things that appeals to me too. In pipe making, is that you know I, you can think about the physics going on, but um, and it's interesting. But you know, uh, as we said, it's the pipe itself is actually a very simple tool. It's it's two holes that are connected together. That's that's you know with enough material around it. To, to keep everything in. Um, so the actual act of doing it and in, in the craft is uh, it can be simple even though there's lots of stuff going on. so um, yeah, it, it is a nice uh, it, it's a nice break from all of the uh, the analytical craziness. Yeah,
0: and, and I would imagine you design all this stuff and test everything on computers and there's really not much computer design when it comes to a pipe.
2: Uh, No, not at all. Yeah, it it is. uh, Yeah, that is one thing I do love about uh, about being out and working on pipes is that there's definitely no computers involved. It's just uh, it's you and your mind and maybe you know a notepad in your hands and that's that's what you've got. You you don't have to rely on servers and screens and all this other stuff that can and do do go wrong every day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and if a pipe burns out. plane doesn't crash
2: yeah 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 you know there's there's that part of it too (laughs) (laughs) so yeah there's a lot of uh there's a lot of red tape on the obviously on the uh the airplane side of things but yeah if uh if I'm turning a bowl on the lathe or something like that and something slips or it explodes then well you know you can grab another one (laughs) and uh (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. D- engine falls off airplane eh, you got a few little reports and some issues to deal with afterwards and oh
2: yeah you know. just just the paperwork is man you wouldn't believe <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> let alone the cleanup of the human wreckage um we're gonna we're gonna take a break right here when we come back we'll talk about pipe making and pipe shows so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute
1: Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the seller series to the small batch project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D. As a crew of folks who just love tobacco, it's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold,
0: We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with a uh, pipe maker and jet airplane maker. Uh, that doesn't seem to fit together, but it it works uh, with Adam Bybee. And all right, Adam, when did you? Where did the idea for you to make a pipe come to you? I mean, you're I'm guessing you're you know you're studying aerospace stuff. Obviously, you want to work with wood. That makes perfect sense. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, I guess, um, this, this might be a fairly familiar story, uh, but you know, you, you start smoking a pipe and then you enjoy it a lot. You get, you get new tobacco. And, uh, so eventually you say like, Hey, you know, I'm enjoying this. I wonder what a nicer pipe would smoke like. Or, you know, um, you, you look online, you see, wow, there's a lot of gorgeous pipes out there. Um, you know, I, I wonder, uh, I wonder what those cost. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I do recall, uh, one particular weekend where, uh, I was thinking about, you know, if I had to buy, uh, like a really nice quality pipe, what would I want it to be? Or what would I want it to look like? Um, uh, and I was really interested in like, a kind of bent Dublin shapes, um, at the time. And, uh, so I was, I was looking around online and I found, I found one, uh, that I thought was just beautiful. Just the grain work was amazing. It had a nice swooping curve to it and that, like, a uh really obviously beautifully made stem um so i was uh did some more research into it and like uh who, all right so who who makes these who makes pipes like this so, like sounds uh looks like some guy named tom from from denmark made it i don't know let's, <laughs> let's look into that how much does that cost oh oh boy uh yeah so <laughs> somehow that uh, parlayed into um you know, getting me thinking. Like, all right, if I want a pipe of a particular shape and size, and 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 I want to, uh, you know, have a particular form factor of it, um, you know, maybe I can try to make my own. That that shouldn't be too hard, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, easy. But
2: uh, yeah. Anyway, so I uh, I uh, that day ordered a um, a pipe kit. Um, and hadn't really thought it through yet. Uh, I didn't really own any tools to speak of, um, and I had never really worked with my hands. Um, I I don't come from a background of um, people who are machinists or woodworkers or anything like that, so I was kind of uh, going into a blind alley, at least to start with. Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah, So (laughs) dive right in. It's going to be easy, cheap, and you can just get a block of wood and a knife and make it, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, I think I, so. For that first uh, pipe kit, I think I had a uh, I had a Dremel tool set that had a few little tiny micro sanding discs, uh, and then I also had like a whittling knife and like some files, and uh, that was about all I could scrounge. Um, and that took a huge amount of time. You know, briar is really hard material. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it cost you a lot yeah. of little Dremel bits, didn't it?
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah, I burned through a whole bunch of them. Um, And uh, I also made the mistake of having it set up uh, just in our guest bedroom in our apartment at the time. Uh, So I had a Dremel set up on the table and was just sawing on a block of wood and just kind of covered that whole bedroom, uh, I'm sure, in sawdust and and all a bunch of other crap. So, Um, yeah, so that was a bad idea. Um, But then after that experience, uh, I kind of – you know, I, I liked it enough. Uh, I went back online and started actually looking at, like, okay, that took a long time. That was difficult. Uh, how do people actually do this? So, uh, yeah, and then you uh, found the uh, the makers Forum website um, and uh, found a lot of information there. Uh, there's also a lot of good uh, stuff on YouTube now, um, as a millennial as that sounds. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: and and dove right in and then you ended up uh, I I'm I'm guessing you ended up doing the uh you know buying the equipment and stuff like that and then at what point did you realize it would have been cheaper just to buy one of uh, buy a Tom Eltang pipe <laughs>
2: uh I I think I've uh, I've done my best not to try to go back and add it all up to to make that realization but uh hey <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, so how long ago was this?
2: Um, that was, uh, I think three or four years ago, three years ago.
0: All right. So are you still back in, uh, in Michigan amongst the, uh, I mean, there's a, I, I call them the Michigan pipe smoking mafia cause they're all kind of around Grand Rapids and it's a, uh, it's a very active group. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, it is totally, um, yeah, I remember that was kind of an interesting, uh, uh, how that, how I got to know those guys as well. An interesting story. Um, I was hanging out at my in-laws house, um, in, in Grand Rapids. Um, and, uh, there was just a whole bunch of family events and stuff going on at the time. Um, and this was a little while after I'd started getting into pipes. Um, and I had been looking for estate pipes as well. I, I do like to to go through and find some neat estate pipes of different kinds that I like and, and clean them up and stuff like that. Um, so I was looking around to see if there were any pipe shops in the area because uh, I, I wasn't familiar um, so I went on Google and, and checked out and it turns out that there was a pipe shop that was about two blocks away uh, from my in-laws house. <laughs> uh, so I hopped in the car and, uh, and drove over there and um, not expecting what it would be, not, not knowing really, even if it was just, you know, one of those quote unquote tobacco shops, um, hopped out of the car and went in there, um, and actually saw a, a, a guy in there who was working at the store, um, that I knew from high school, um, that I hadn't expected to see. Um, <laughs> the store, by the way, was, uh, Indian river tobacco traders, which is where the, uh, the home of the, uh, the furniture city height society is. Yep. So, yeah, so I went in there, and they just kind of, there were, uh, I believe there were a few of the club members, in addition to, uh, to Eric, who um, was the manager of the store there, um, and just met them and hung out for longer than I had planned. I was just going to go in there and grab some stuff and, and head back, but then uh, I ended up uh, buying a really nice Sassini uh, estate pipe from Eric that I still love. It's still one of my favorite pipes, uh, and then got invited back to, pipe club stuff and and met a whole bunch of those guys and that was uh kind of kind of how that started
0: did they kind of encourage you to get into pipe making or try making a pipe yourself
2: um yeah i think they did a little bit i I can't remember whether this was before or after i i had started uh buying a few kits and and uh trying stuff out um but yeah, there's a, one of the, uh, the members of the pipe club over there is uh, Robbie from Robbie's Pipes. Um, yep. And he was actually a, a really big help to me starting out too. Um, the first few pipes that I made uh, where I actually got rod stock and a block of briar and, and cut it all and fit it all together. Um, I brought it in uh, to, to one of the meetings there and, and handed it to him and he was able to, uh, to show me uh, all the ways that it was wrong which was, uh, which was very helpful. And just, you know, all sorts of, uh, all sorts of pointers about, about everything.
0: So how long after and how many pipes did you try to make before you felt comfortable enough to kind of show somebody or sell a pipe to somebody?
2: Cool. Um, well, so the first probably four or five pipes that I made were all just, uh, um, pre drilled blocks, um, that I just kind of, you know, got a little bit better at shaping a little bit better at, uh, at finish work and, and just kind of practice that stuff. Uh, and those ended up, um, being owned by a few like friends and family and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was probably, especially because I was doing things on such kind of a, a part-time basis. It, it definitely did take, um, a while, um, in terms of, you know, until I got uh, comfortable enough with the process uh, that I felt like, you know, these these are good enough that that this is going to be a useful tool for someone to have. Um, And most of those pipes, for the first uh, maybe year and a half or so that I was doing this, uh, I moved out of the guest bedroom, and uh, in our apartment, we have a little bit of uh, a a walk-in storage unit kind of attached to the balcony on the outside of the apartment. That was maybe... Mm -hmm three feet wide by five or six feet long uh i was able to to run an extension cable out there and i got uh set up a little fold out card table (laughs) i got the the smallest wood lathe i could find uh, and a bench grinder and a few other things and then that was my uh my shop quote unquote for for (laughs) first little while Uh, it was cramped and uh but, but it worked i guess
0: but it was it was nice because you weren't making a mess in the in the apartment either
2: oh yeah yeah it was it was okay if i uh covered everything with dust out there i just uh i just had to go through and clean that whole thing out when we moved which was uh, a fun afternoon
0: so i'm looking at some of your pipes on instagram and that's the uh that's you know you're young that's where you put them uh, and the Instagram is bybee b y b e e underscore pipes, and I'm I'm guessing you had to put the underscore in there because bybee pipes was gone. Um, but, I think it
2: was. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know quite how, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> somebody picked it up. Um, but I'm looking, yeah. and I can and I can see some of the you know you, you've definitely got that that Danish influence and come and some of that modern. Yeah, some of that more modern American Danish style is that. Mm-hmm. Am I kind of right? Is that kind of where you're leaning towards now?
2: Um, yeah, it is. I think that's that's kind of uh, the sweet spot for for what I like to do. Um, I don't know if that's just always what I've been gravitating towards. It, it, it may be um, part of it. Might be um, when I was first uh, starting starting to get tooling and stuff like that to make pipes. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that I was watching at the time was a YouTube channel that, um, J and J pipes had out at the time. Yep. Um, yeah, that was when, uh, um, Jared Coles and John close were together and they were, uh, they were making pipes together in their shop. Um, and they just did a whole weekly video series where they just showed you the whole process and, and talked about the history of pipe making. And they, uh, they just had fun out there and, um, yeah, so that that was a big help and and a big influence on me as well, and uh, just the way that those guys talked about the process and they just they clearly felt the significance of what they were doing, um, and they described how they worked with the grain and, and how they were a part of a bigger pipe making whole, and um, I think just watching them as they sat down and, and they they did their work that kind of uh, that really inspired me to think. You know, that, that kind of went from uh, this, is, this is a fun, neat little hobby to, you know, maybe I really want to do this. I really want to try this. Uh, and I think even today, Jared's pipes as well. I, I own several of his pipes. Um, and he just seems to hit a perfect line for me between uh, there's kind of the organic and the artistic. And then there's the, uh, the kind of the sharp and the functional and he kind of hits a line and that, that kind of school of pipe making kind of perfectly bisect that art and function sort of thing.
0: Yeah. So do you drill first and then shape later on these, on these more stylish pipes or are you uh, shaping first and then drilling?
2: Um, I do a little bit of both now, um, for a long time, it was just, uh, the, uh, drill first and then shape around it. Um, but yeah, more recently I've been uh, I've been trying that that other uh, the Danish style drilling the the drill last, um, and uh, yeah, it, it's a totally different set of skills. Um, and I'm sure if uh, a lot of the experienced pipe makers would watch me do it, I'm sure they'd cringe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm doing my best and uh, gotta get some more tooling and stuff like that to to make it like a simpler, more viable process, but, but yeah, I, I've done a little bit of that. And, uh, it is really nice, just the freedom that it offers you and design. Um, it kind of allows you to call an audible at, at any point during the process, uh, and really get the most out of whatever block you're working with, which is really the value of it.
0: And, uh, how is the, uh, pipe smoking scene out there in Utah compared to, uh, compared to the Michigan mafia that you had?
2: Um, you know, there's not a lot of pipe smokers as, as you might guess. Um, yeah. but the ones, the ones that appear have actually kind of come out of the woodwork recently. Um, it seems like, um, when I first moved out here a couple of years ago, um, I started asking around, you know, cause I, I'd been part of, uh, some pipe clubs and things before. um, so yeah, I started asking around in other pipe groups and, and just kind of in the area to see, you know, is anybody out here, does does, any, does anybody smoke a pipe out of here? <laughs> um, and I was able to find a few guys and, and we actually just started a group since I've been here um, that's been in existence for eh, probably about a year and a half now, but um, it's actually kind of uh, exploded over the last couple of years. You know, we have a whole, a club set up, we have meetings every month. Um, I'm I'm kind of farther outside of uh, Salt Lake City uh, than a lot of the other guys are, so I I don't make it down to every meeting. But um, it's actually been pretty cool to see. It's been it's been uh, fun fun to to meet all these people out here.
0: And they all listen to the Pipes Magazine radio show on a regular basis, right?
2: <laughs> uh, I think at least some of them do. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I would imagine. You know, they're all they're all kind of part of the pipe world, so. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, but that that group. Uh, I think we're we're currently uh, our our home base is a Facebook group called uh, Utah Pipe Smokers. So uh, yeah, if there are any other Utahns out there listening, uh, you know we'd love to have you. Uh, we're a weird group of folks, but also fun. So
0: and in a uh, state where uh, you know smoking and drinking is somewhat frowned upon by a huge chunk of the population, a uh, couple of the greatest. Pipe shops that I used to sell to were in Salt Lake city. And now I think one of them has gone, but uh, (laughs) anyway, Um, Adam, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I am ready. What is your favorite pipe? So uh,
2: my favorite pipe is probably one that I have from Jared Cole's. Uh, It's a kind of a little petite uh, bent apple. Uh, it's got a nice blast on it. It's just got a, like a nice tight curve. It's very light. Um, it's a perfect pipe for me. I, I pretty much only smoke smaller pipes uh, because most of the time when I'm smoking is either when I'm in the shop or if I'm out driving or something like that where I need to be able to to clench a pipe and be sure it's gonna stay there. So yeah, yeah. That's uh, I think that was the first pipe that I spent like a, a good chunk of money on, uh, like a good hard, artisan handmade pipe, and uh, yeah, that's that's still probably my favorite pipe.
0: What is your favorite tobacco?
2: This one's easier. Uh, My favorite tobacco that I've ever smoked, uh, unfortunately, is uh, McClellan's Tudor Castle. It's uh, a really good Virginia, uh, Perique, and Oriental mixture. Um, Virginias and Vapors are probably my my go-tos. But I like Oriental leaf as well, and that's just somehow the blend that they got on that is just fantastic, like each of the components Perfectly adds in a nice little burst of flavor and yeah, that blend is is excellent Uh, Luckily, I've got a few tins of it. Uh, Not too many. Um, I didn't get into pipe smoking. I guess Uh, Well, (laughs) I haven't been in pipe smoking terribly long before the uh, the McClelland uh, uh, McClelland closed their doors
0: You didn't go nuts like some of us did Um, What is (laughs) your what is your favorite drink?
2: Um, this one's kind of tough. Uh, I would probably say beer. I've been a, a big craft beer guy for, for my whole adult life pretty much and um, have reviewed and have tasting notes on probably close to 1,000 beers or so. Oh, but, wow. Um, so, yeah, I, I really do like beer. Uh, however, I will say uh, a few guys. Um, I, I'm uh, an active member on the Pipe Smokers Den forum. Uh, which used to be Pipe Smokers Forum and then moved to a different platform. Uh, but a few guys on the forum there are really into, like, traditionally brewed Chinese tea, um, yeah. and they started to get me into it, and uh, I just love it so far. It, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's uh, I think Pipe Smokers, um, being the kind of people that really focus on their flavors and, and the ritual uh, and the process, um, would really like – traditional like Chinese style tea brewing because it is exactly that it's uh, there's so many different kinds of teas available from different regions uh, you can get teaware that has to be broken in that you dedicate to different tea styles and it's uh, there's a lot of similarities actually so yeah I would I would actually probably say tea right now
0: and that would probably work really well with Tudor castle um, but yeah. Uh, when it Now I lost track of where I am. Oh, I got all excited thinking about Moroccan mint tea. Um, mm-hmm. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music?
2: Um, probably music. Um, I do like reading a lot, but um, music is great because obviously you can do it while you do other things, you know. Yeah. You can uh, crank some stuff in the shop or while you're working or uh, while you're driving or, yeah, probably music. Um, I'm a big metal, metal fan. I really enjoy uh, progressive metal and Swedish metal and, and all that sort of stuff, which seems to surprise people, I guess, when they meet me. But
0: You are a giant yeah. contradiction, which I absolutely <laughs> love. You're, you're a, <laughs> an aerospace engineer that works with wood for fun and drinks tea and then is into some the speed metal. That doesn't, I love it. <laughs> and uh, finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about?
2: Um, yeah, I, I, I do have a moment uh, that kind of sticks in my head. Um, a few years ago at the Chicago Pipe Show, I guess I've, I've been going to the show just about every year for the past, uh, for the past year or four, I think. Um, but one, one of the first years that I was there, um, you know, they, they've got the, the little ho- hospitality suite uh, that people like to hang out in, uh, at nighttime, yep. um, out in the back there. Uh, but yeah, some of the, some of the forum members and the, the guys that I had met from the, uh, Grand Rapids club, um, they no, they knew that I was around at the show and they kind of, um, found me and, and brought me up there and, and kind of introduced me to a few people. And, uh, and it was just crazy for, for somebody, uh, who's been around the pipe community and and researches pipe makers and stuff like that, because, uh, you just, you look around this room and there's all sorts of people like the the whole community is together. Um, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not really anybody to to any of those people because I had just met them. Um, but it's amazing to me. And this is true in every part of the pipe community. Really. It's just how, um, how little of a barrier there is, um, just about anybody will sit down and talk to you. I remember that night, uh, we were sitting out on the patio and, um, uh, some people were playing some, some wonderful music. I think, uh, Scott Feeley and, uh, Brad Pullman were playing some blues and it was just, uh, yeah. it was amazing. I, I, I was sitting around the table with, I think, uh, Silver Gray, Jerry Crawford, um, and Mark Ryan all these other all these other uh pipe and tobacco folks and, and i'm not i'm not anybody but could sit there for hours and have wonderful conversations with those people and it just uh i don't know that, that was that was a great night it was one of those moments where you don't have to think about the past or the future or anything you can just kind of be there and it was uh it was great and that's that's why i go back every year just because uh it's a, it's a great group of people that that makes you want to be a part of it
0: and, uh, and I've heard, and I might have uh, I might have joined in once, that there can be a pretty raucous game of Cards Against Humanity going on there late at night, too.
2: <laughs> yes, I think they had that going uh, this last year as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't participate, but, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Adam, thanks for joining us again to find him on Instagram. It's B-Y-B-E-E underscore pipes, and then... Uh, that's uh, the, the best place to see the pipes and Adam, keep doing what you're doing. Keep contradicting and enjoying whatever the hell you want to enjoy.
2: <laughs> Will do. Thanks, Brian.
0: We'll be back in just a minute.
2: A Savonelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And
0: like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Check out all of Adam's Pipes on the Insta Snatch or whatever that, whatever those things are. All right. I'm trying to learn how to do Instagram and I'm trying to do it a little more frequently. So uh, if you're on there and see me, follow me. Um, Anyway, for music, uh, going back to a previous guest, Chance Whittemore, who we had on uh, at the Chicago Pipe Show, he was nice enough to bring me and gift me a cd from his band uh some of one and the album is called strategic overlook and uh, i picked this song out because i like the title it's called fantasyland castaway the music may not be for everybody but i bet adam's gonna like this so here is uh chance whittemore guitar player singer on uh some of for some of one doing fantasyland castaway <laughs> is called Sum of One and uh, that was uh, Chance Whittemore on guitar and vocals. The CD is called Strategic Overlook. I don't know. Google search it. See if you can find it. What's this? A letter. For me. In the mailbag, remember, uh, the email address is brian at pipesmagazine.com or for travel related stuff, brian.levine at mei-travel.com and it's been a while since we've had an iTunes rating or review, and I understand also that iTunes has, uh, if your rating's been up there for a while, they will uh, take it off there. So if you've given one in the past, go back on there and leave a fresh one. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, going back to last week's show with Hector Weeb, Casey Ghosts writes, I just couldn't get into this show. You had a segment I don't much care for, an interview with a carver I wasn't interested in, and a music segment that was nondescript. At least the trailer music was reliable. Well, sorry, we, we didn't uh, we didn't we didn't get you this week. Maybe or that week. Maybe this week we got you. And then uh, Dillagas writes, "Thank you for pointing me in the direction of the radiator pipe. Something I would not have found without the show." I like a bowl of grouse more in the morning, followed by a Virginia or vapor in the afternoon. So ghosting is definitely a problem I deal with. Having a couple of bowls that fit the same stem would be definitely easier when traveling instead of bringing along dedicated pipes. I was impressed that Hector was willing to name another pipe brand in addition to his own when asked about his favorite pipe. I, too am a big fan of Missouri Meerschaums. And, you know, what? I think that's something that you'll find in all of the uh, in all the pipe makers that you talk to. And even in some of the people that uh, that work in some of the pipe factories or we all admire each other's work. And you will regularly hear, you know, like Adam said, Jared Coles is one of his favorites. Uh, So you'll you'll regularly hear where pipe makers are, you know, yeah, most uh, they, they smoke their own. Um, oftentimes they can't afford to smoke their own because they need to sell it but at the same time they admire other people's work and they'll uh, and they'll smoke it And sometimes I wonder if it's not for a little bit of uh, market research or professional research to see you know what all the hubbub is about but um, I especially think it's important for, a lot of these young pipe makers to not only smoke uh, some other people's pipes, but also go back and smoke some of the classic English factories and get an understanding of what those smoked like, uh, you know, find find themselves a, a a English factory pipe that's in good condition and give it a try and see what it was like and touch them and feel them. So, again, you know, it, it's more common than you think that other people are talking about other, uh, you know, other makers' pipes. So there you go. All right. Again, comments questions, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, follow me on Facebook. We And again, we'd appreciate some iTunes ratings and reviews. And uh, for those of you on iTunes, uh, I guess they're going to be switching things up a little bit. So we won't know what that means, but they will be. All right. In just a moment, a rave. Father, the flame. Yes, the documentary about Pipes is finally finished, out, done, and completed. And yours truly has seen it not once, not twice, but I've watched it three times. And on PipesMagazine.com, uh, James Foster has written a review of it. I haven't written, I haven't uh, read James's review because I wanted to keep mine you know keep mine un, uh, unadulterated uh, first of all let me just say that yes I understand a little bit about what goes into making one of these documentaries and this was self-funded with some contributions and these guys worked over six years on this project when they could get the money and get the time and so a big shout out goes to Chad and uh, Jeremy Rush whatever Beardcore's name is this week Um, A big shout out to them for, first of all, coming up with the idea and completing it. Second of all, I'm pretty sure what they thought was going to be a story about the pipe and the history of the pipe, I'm pretty sure that became a story about the people behind the pipes, because the visits that they made to Italy, Japan, and Denmark, and all around the U.S., uh just really got a good handle on what the people are that are behind the pipe and tobacco world and even some of the collectors on top of that the entire movie is beautifully shot it's got a very it's got a stirring soundtrack at some at some points it's almost like you're watching a uh, a space opera and a romantic poetry reading and then it just brings you back to these beautifully recorded and filmed uh, documentary moments where we really get to know more and more about the people behind the pipes. Uh, Father of the Flame is now available for download. It's available on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Vudu, Fandango now. Go get yourself a copy. I'm sure there's got to be a way to order a, a DVD copy. should be coming soon, I would hope. Uh, but Father the Flame is on demand and available now and it is absolutely stunning and just yeah you know, any anybody that smokes a pipe you'll want to sit down with your favorite pipe for an hour and 20 minutes and just enjoy this and again I watched it three times it's uh, the third the second and the third time i saw stuff that i didn't see the first time but congratulations to uh, chad and everybody with father the flame it's a beautiful testament to the pipe and now if this is successful maybe we could get something on the history of the tobacco side all right uh, thanks to adam for joining me thank you all for tuning in and until next time
1: Happy bomba to you Until we meet bomba Happy trails to bomba He's bomba dida bomba dida bomba bomba dida bomba dida bomba Just sing a song and think about sunny
2: weather.
1: Happy trails (laughs) to you (laughs) till (laughs) we (laughs) meet (laughs)
2: again.
1: Other things very important, more than the pipes. Two daughters. Yes, this is one point, but also, you know, the relation with the people, this, uh, because the object is, uh, if it is without the people behind, it's nothing. Nothing, right.
2: Yeah, you come right down to
1: it. It's a piece of wood with two holes in it (laughs) and a piece of rubber, and you're going to put some dried leaves in it and burn them.